You are Locked On Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Cubs fans, and welcome to Locked On Cubs. I am your host, Joe Kilgallen. You can follow me on Twitter. That's simply at Joe Kilgallen. Give the podcast a follow as well. That's at Locked On Cubs. Now, this episode is... Brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room. Download it from the iOS App Store and find one of our lockdown rooms. Locker Room. Changing the way we talk sports. All right, Cubs fans. We did avoid the sweep at the hands of those New York Mets. The Mets take three out of four. Still a bummer. But hey, they won last night and they're on the plane on their way to Chicago feeling good. It's always nice to win on getaway day behind Kyle Hendricks' strong start. Have you biased at a two-run homer? And that's all she wrote. The bullpen did what the bullpen does. Kimbrell now tied for 10th all-time in saves. Tied former Cub Jeff Reardon with 367 career saves. Craig Kimbrell is a Hall of Famer. I'm saying that right now. And it's and he seems like a great dude who really put in the work because after two, you know, rough seasons with the Cubs, really one and a half, because he turned it around I mean, in about mid-August of the 2020 season and became the Kimbrell of old. But those seasons, he didn't have a spring training. So it goes to show you what a guy like that could do. And, and you love to see it. Now, today's episode is going to be special because I'm doing crossover talk with the host of the Lockdown Mets podcast, Ryan Finkelstein. Great dude. Really enjoyed talking to him. We talked about what the Cubs and both the Mets are going to need from the trade deadline coming up and what both teams who are division leaders right now. That's right, Cubs fans. Has it dawned on us that if the season ended today, the Cubs and Mets would be playing each other in the playoffs, most likely? So. It was, it was pretty interesting to get a little insight on what they thought. I also asked him what it was like to have an owner that everyone was excited about. We were there once, Cubs fans. Remember, we were really pumped up about what the Ricketts were doing, and now the story's completely changed. So it was cool to get some insight there. We talked to some Jacob deGrom and how his velocity's increased over the years, a question I had for people yesterday on both Twitter and on the Lockdown Cubs podcast. So without further ado, we're just going to jump right into that. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, we'll be back Monday recapping the Cubs-Marlins series. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Drink some water, enjoy your family, and enjoy the rest of this podcast. Cheers, everybody. All right, Mets fans. Happy to be joined by the host of Locked on Cubs, Joe Kilgallen, after the Cubs salvaged, uh, or avoided, I guess I should say, the dreaded four-game series sweep. Uh, how are you feeling after that? Let's just start there. I'm <laughs> um, feeling great overall. I mean, I'm happy we won a game because a four game sweep would have been brutal, especially since <laughs> I love Mets fans because they're passionate, but I got into it with a couple of them earlier in the week because I was doing one of the post game recap videos I like to do. And I accidentally said Shea stadium. Like it was a total slip up. I know it's city field now and all that, but they went after me hard and I'm like, all right, calm down. <laughs> it was a mistake. You know, I wasn't reading off a script, you know, I'm going live reaction right after the game. So I'm glad if, if, if the Mets would have finished off the sweep today, I feel like they would have been right up in my mentions, giving me a hard time. And luckily they were quiet, but yeah, our, our offense has just been struggling lately and the injuries are finally catching up to the Cubs. So uh, yeah, of course I'm happy. They avoided a sweep. They got a happy flight back to Chicago to take on the Marlins hopefully shouldn't put up too much of a challenge, but again, it's baseball. You never know, but the Cubs need to get healthy because right now the offense is a one trick pony. It's strikeouts or home runs and missing Nico Horner and Matt Duffy, two guys who gave balance to the lineup is it's catching up. And they were, they were playing well without him for a while, but again, 
you guys know being the Mets with great pitching, you, you don't want that. You don't want your strength to be taken away for too long. And that's what's kind of been happening with the Cubs. Absolutely. And I think, you know, coming into this season, I think nationally the perspective was that the Cubs were, I don't know if I would necessarily say a rebuild, but maybe heading towards a retool, you know, with the U Darvish trade and a lot of rumors of Chris Bryant, but they've taken off this year. And one thing I'm curious about, because you look at that rotation right now, and there's outside of Kyle Hendricks, there's not really an arm you can look at and say, okay, that's a starter that should be kind of a frontline guy on that team. But I think what we saw tonight is the strength of this team, which is the back end of that bullpen. Has that been what has kind of kept this team atop this division for most of this year, having those guys where you kind of bash your way to a lead and they can hold it down for you? Yes, the bullpen by far. I misspoke a little bit. Again, it's funny because I was talking about misspeaking earlier. The bullpen is without a doubt the strength. It's a deep pen too. And we've had a couple injuries there and the next guy up has filled that void flawlessly. The offense from April 21st, I believe, through early June was second best in baseball. They were doing great. So they were on a nice stretch after a historically bad start. But the bullpen is without a doubt Craig, hopefully, though, with the whole pitch grip thing and the foreign substances ban starting on Monday, hopefully there's no dip there, because I think every team should be a little bit worried to see who's who was legit and who wasn't. But I, I have enough faith in a guy like Kimbrell because he, he had two bad seasons the last two years with the Cubs, neither of which did he have a full spring training. This year, he finally gets a full spring training under his belt, and he looks like the all-star and future Hall of Famer that his career trajectory was on before joining the Cubs. And really, he turned it on in September of last year. His last 10 starts were 10 shutout innings with two Ks per appearance. He was on fire, and, and thankfully that carried over. And then Ryan Tapera has been amazing. Andrew Chafin, who's just such a character, like a modern-day Rod Beck with that poofy hair and that crazy mustache, and he's driving a, a Firebird around town. Like, literally, he tweeted, does anyone know where I could buy a used Firebird in Chicago? <laughs> he just kind of has that style to him that everyone's been embracing. So yeah, it's been the bullpen and it's rare to be able to say your bullpen is a strength. Cause I feel like every fan is gets like a little bit tense when their bullpen is talked about. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same thing with the Mets this year you go in and I don't, it's one of the hardest things to analyze in spring training. Like what's a bullpen going to be. You really don't know. I mean, Sean Reed Foley, for example, for the Mets, a guy that they got in the Steven match trade who started the year in Syracuse has been huge for the Mets. You didn't even know he was going to be on the team. So it's such a random thing, but I think it really is a great separator because when you have that great bullpen and you're able to win those close games, it makes all the difference in the world. I think we've seen it with the Mets this year too. Having that great bullpen, it really does help you win those close games. And I think that's why you're looking at two teams right now that are doing pretty well in their respective divisions. Yeah, especially with the Cubs starting rotation, like the way you mentioned, Hendricks has really turned it on after a rough April. They really just included two horrendous starts against the Braves, and that Braves lineup up and down just his own Kyle Hendricks throughout his career. So it's kind of a thing where I'm like, I hope they don't make the playoffs, and I hope we don't match up with them because it would be a nightmare for Kyle. Adbert Elzelai, who's on the IL right now with a blister, though there's talks of him being activated early next week, he has shown ace-like stuff. He's uh, gone up against... He's pitched against the Dodgers, Padres, Braves, like I said. And every time he's faced a top lineup, he's made their best hitters look bad. Mookie Betts is 0 for 3 against him with two strikeouts. And then the third at bat was like a pop-up on the infield. And he's uh, same with Acuna and 
Soto, like he's faced some of the best hitters in the league and they've walked away shaking their heads. So there's ace potential there. Uh, but again, he's young. This is his first full season because he dealt with some injuries in the minors. And, uh, but the right, like Jake Arrieta is just not the same guy he used to be. And we've had some other injuries too. So really the Cubs are desperate for starting pitching right now. And if you've got a bullpen that can shorten the game, you know, coming around the fifth inning, even uh, it's, it's a huge lifesaver. Yeah, it is for sure. And I think one thing I'd be curious actually to ask you about, you know, coming into this series as when a team gets beat the way the Cubs are the first three games, it's hard for me to have big takeaways for what they are because you know, we also saw them sweep the Mets earlier this year. They look great. So it's hard to kind of get any real, uh, come away with any conclusions about the Cubs. But I'm curious from your perspective, what your thoughts were about the Mets coming into this series and seeing their best brand of baseball for a couple of games. Maybe some of your takeaways from that. Big takeaway though. I mean, I knew, I knew you had some bats that were struggling, but I looked overall, I'm like, oh, they've been playing way better baseball than when we saw them in April because that, that first matchup when the Cubs swept the Mets at Wrigley in late April, the Cubs were just starting to turn it around. And we avoided DeGrom that series, which is always huge. And, uh, and your offense, the bats really weren't going. Uh, Lindor was really struggling at the time. And so, yeah, you definitely, the, the lineup seems a little more balanced overall. Uh, so I guess my big takeaway from you guys is basically, I just, I still think like you're probably, and other Mets fans are thinking you need another bat. I imagine that's probably on everyone's wish list. But as far as bullpen and starting pitching goes, you're, that Walker, again, DeGrom, of course, goes without saying. Stroman, I mean, there's, there's some really good arms there. And even the two arms that we faced the first two, uh, Peterson, and I'm blanking on the guy who's pitched Tuesday. So sorry yeah. about that. But Peterson had like a six ERA coming in. He pitched Monday night. I was thinking to myself, that guy was, has better was, stuff it, than a six ERA. I can't remember it, who went Tuesday, but Walker? there were two. Wasn't it Walker, I think? Yeah, Walker went Tuesday. Sorry, Walker's been yeah. great, actually. It was Peterson who had been struggling. His ERA was like yeah, six. Yeah. Uh, Walker's been great, so I take that back. I think I'm remembering that we faced Carlos Martinez on Sunday, and he's been awful. So I remember we had two guys that were like, we only put up two runs against two pitchers who have five and six ERAs. So, yeah, I mean, even that guy, though, showed better stuff than a six ERA. And he's like your number four or five, I imagine. So your front three and a strong bullpen, that pitching's scary. I and mean, we talked before we hit the record button about how, you know, if the season ended today, the Cubs and Mets would line up in the playoffs. And I'm, I don't like that at all. I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to face you guys. Uh, obviously every team wants to avoid DeGrom because in a short series, a best of five, you got that guy possibly going twice. That's a scary proposition. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long cut that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors. Nine flavors. I always feel like a Ferris Bueller's thing. Nine times. Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. Fully Loaded Chew is offering Locked On team listeners a special offer. Right now, you could try a can for just a buck. That's right, just $1. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. Just $1 and free shipping if you use the code LOCKEDON at checkout. So the next time you go for a dip, can you guys do that cool dip snap thing that people do at the wrist? That's pretty awesome, right? Make it Fully Loaded Chew. FullyLoadedChew.com. I was on Locked On MLB yesterday and Sully was talking about 2015 and that year it was the central that was the powerhouse in the national league with all three teams making it there was the cubs the cardinals and the pirates and the cubs obviously knock off the pirates they knock off the cardinals 
and then they had to face the Mets. So it is a interesting kind of place that these teams could be in where that is a gauntlet for the West to go through, to go through a wild card game and maybe a long first round series. There is a chance here that whoever wins the Cubs Mets matchup, if that's eventually what happens, they could have a nice opportunity to make a world series if they face a, a West team that's beaten down. So as you said, you don't love that matchup, but I think we could be heading towards a, a central East, you know, first round playoff uh, series. And I think that'll be a lot of fun because I think a lot of people are going to go back to 2015. So for Mets fans, at least that's going to be a lot of fun to revisit. Yeah. For you guys, definitely. I mean, for us, it was heartbreaking, but the 2015 Cubs were better than projected because the Cubs had famously started that rebuild with the 2012 season. They just hired Theo Epstein, who everybody was just freaking out about because of all the success he had in Boston and what a smart guy he is. And, you know, the Cubs never had a smart guy. We always had idiots running our show or guys who were just like, oh, he's an old school baseball mind. I'm like, oh, great. He's going to do a bunch of dumb things that don't work anymore and haven't worked since 1985. Wonderful. This is this is great. Good job, ownership. But when they hired Theo, it just had this feeling where so many Cubs fans, I know myself included, we used to be so superstitious. And then we had to remind ourselves, no, no more of this goat nonsense. No more of this. Oh, I have to knock on wood where I sit does not matter. We have smart people running the organization now. Let's trust the process. And 2015, they won 97 games. And I think they're only projected to win like 83, 84. Bryant's rookie of the year. Rizzo got MVP vote. There was just a lot to love. So when we got swept, yeah, it sucked. But we all had this confidence where we're like, oh, this is just the start. They're, they're all 23, 24 years old. We'll be back next year. And, and then we were. We won the World Series. But it was interesting, though. Because everyone was saying, see, the Mets, the Mets built around pitching. The Cubs built around hitting. You need to go the pitching route. And then a few arms got banged up and stuff. So then the Cubs look like, no, you need hitting. And now it looks like you really truly need both uh, as far as strategy of how to develop. Because the Cubs famously drafted all hitters and then spent on pitching. But then when the hitters didn't show up, our budget got out of control. At one point, we, our starting five pitchers were making a combined $120 million, I think, in like the 2018 season. Because it was you Darvish's first year with the Cubs, and he was terrible that season. He was making like $25 million, and Lester was starting to decline. And at that point, it's like, all right, that's $50 million to two guys. Maybe we need to develop an arm or two. Yeah, I, th I think it's a great point that I remember back then there was a lot of Cubs-Mets parallels where for a while there was all this talk about how the Cubs should trade a shortstop for one of the Mets pitchers. Yep. I remember, you know, Javi Baez, Addison Russell you know, for Wheeler or DeGrom or Harvey, whatever it would have been. And it was that, that big debate. And there, that was the huge talking point in that series. And yeah, for four games, the Mets had the upper hand where pitching won out, but you know, the Cubs got a ring, the Mets didn't. And I also think another thing you brought up that. Yeah. Murphy too. Sorry. I forgot oh, about yeah. Murphy. Oh, killed Murphy. Us. I, 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 I think that Murphy belongs in the Mets hall of fame for, for that month stretch alone. It was just ridiculous, but madness. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that you mentioned there that I think is kind of interesting for Mets fans is I think Mets fans, even though they had, you know, 2015 for the most part, it's kind of been that same knock on wood, LOL Mets, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And this is the first season with under new ownership. You're thinking, all right, like maybe this is a team that you don't have to think about those things anymore. You don't have to be all superstitious about, and it has a bright future. I guess that happened for the Cubs also with the change of ownership too. When, when did that happen? The ownership change started with uh, 
I think their sale was finished in like late 2009. So I think 2010 was their first full season. And then after 2011 is when it kind of felt like it began because then they, they hired Theo Epstein to be president and then Jed Hoyer came in as the GM. And then it was like, all right, now the old, the, you know, the employees from the old ownership and the front office from previous ownership had kind of left and it was like a new era. And I'll tell you though, won the world series in 2016. Everyone's loving the Ricketts and Tom Ricketts, the, the main guy, the face of the family who's running the Cubs. And here we are five seasons later, and he is not popular at all. Cubs fans are like, why can't we have a guy like Steve Cohen? He's amazing. So let me ask you though, how much fun is it? Or how much fun was it at least in the beginning when he was active on Twitter and responding to people to have an owner like that? It's been such a, I mean, it's night and day because the first two years of this show has just been, been me ripping Jeff Wilpon. I mean, that was, yeah. that, that was, that was the crutch that I leaned on all the time. And I actually have some longtime listeners who are tweeting about, isn't it nice that Ryan can be happy for once because it's just a complete difference. It's an, it's, I don't even know how to cover this team in some ways because there's nothing to be mad about. So it, it's been great to see. And I think even though Lindor got off to a rough start, that was such a sea change from what we'd seen previously where, I mean, outside of, I think Beltran was the last big, you know, free agent signing. You just didn't see that. So the fact that you make the blockbuster trade, he's not just a rental. You give him $341 million and that doesn't seem like an albatross where they can't spend moving forward. It's just liberating for fans to be like, all right, Michael Conforto's do it for free agency. That doesn't mean he's absolutely a goner. Same thing with Marcus Stroman some of these other guys. And so I think that is something that is really different for Mets fans right now that you can look past this season and not just dread what the team's going to look like when these guys come up. Yeah. It's the opposite with the Cubs. It started right after the 2018 season, the Cubs won 95 games that year, but the Brewers came out of nowhere and tied us on the last day. And then we had to play a game 163 tiebreaker. We lost that one. And then we lost the wild card game in like consecutive days. And it was such a heartbreaking end. And what was crazy about that was the Cubs played 600 ball in September. So it wasn't like they choked. The Brewers just played 750 ball. They were like, they won every day. It was, it was crazy. I think they were like 19 and five or 19 and six or some crazy number. And then after that season, the ownership was kind of like, we're going to take a step back because we did a lot of spending in the previous off season and it didn't really pay off. You know, Darvish didn't live up and Brandon Morrow got injured and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, all right, this sounds like we're being cheap. And then the next season they did it again. So it's like, why are we stopping spending during a competitive window? It wasn't like the Cubs were the Dodgers and Yankees and Red Sox going over the cap every year in nine seasons under Theo Epstein. They only went over the salary cap or the luxury tax. I should say three times in the one year was a world series. So like that definitely paid dividends, right? So Cubs fans have no faith. They once Darvish was traded at just before new year's Eve. I think it was people were like, what is going on? And it's ironic because the thing the Cubs need the most this season is a you Darvish type. We need an ACE and our payroll is only 150 million and Darvish was making 20 million or 22 million. So it's not like we were even flirting with the luxury tax this season. It just seemed like a weird, like the pandemic they use as an excuse. And I know, of course, teams did lose money, but that's kind of a lie. Teams will, they'll say stuff like, oh, we were projected to make 300 million, but we only made a 200 million. Therefore, we lost 100 million. No, it was just money that wasn't realized. You didn't lose that money. You still made money, just not as much as you thought. And now you're using it as an excuse to try to rebuild when this team does not need to rebuild. 
We have Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo are all free agents, and Cubs fans are nervous that three guys who have meant so much to the fan base over the last seven years are going to be gone for no other reason than being cheap. It'd be one thing if they were all struggling and playing terribly, but they're really not. Bryant's having a, a he's in the MVP of a conversation. Rizzo's still at an above 800 OPS guy. Javi is a conundrum because he's, he's on pace for 40 home runs and like 130 RBI, but he's also going to have a 280 on base percentage, but with gold glove defense and crazy base running. So he's, he's a head scratcher of a player. Wealth front, everybody. Day trading is super popular right now. Everyone's talking about it, right? And it could be a lot of fun, but if you really want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor, so why do it alone? Team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion, that's right, $20 billion with a big old capital B, dollars of assets, and you can get your first 5000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com, locked on MLB. I really want you guys to hear me on this one because this is super important. To get your first $5,000 managed for free, for life. I got to add that part. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. Go to wealthfront.com locked on MLB to get started today. Built Bar, everybody. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors. I have been going to town on the peanut butter brownie. Love it. They also have coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, which is also fantastic. Double chocolate and salted caramel, not caramel. The weirdos out there who say it wrong. Here's the best thing about Built Bar, everybody. 17 grams of protein. All right, you ready to you ready to get a little quick snack? Ready to run out the door, about to hit the gym? Bam, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar. That's the big one. Because you got these other ones, these things that are double nutrition bars, but it's really like a can of Coke's worth of sugar in there, and that's no good for you. All right, we all know that. So here's what you want to do. You want to order today, everybody. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. All those delicious flavors to choose from give you that fuel you'll need to get through your day. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I do think that this is kind of the main storyline as we head towards the trade deadline, though, is, is what do the Cubs do? Because you would have thought that there was a chance they'd be trading a Chris Bryant for a massive blockbuster. Now, I mean, you're angling for a division lead. I mean, you're not going to sell, I don't believe. And if you do, talk about hating the Ricketts after that. Uh, do you think they're going to buy or are they just going to stand pat and then try to sign these guys in the offseason? I think they're going to buy and try to sign some in the offseason. I think one or two players might go and then fans will later be like, well, we could have gotten something for them. And, but that's, you're just not going to please everybody. You know, I'm sure... There was national fans who were like, we should have traded Bryce Harper instead of letting him walk. It's, it, that happens from time to time, but at least you'd rather your team go for it. This might be interesting for, for Mets listeners. So Wrigley Field opened to 100% capacity this past weekend against the St. Louis Cardinals, who were only a few games behind the Cubs in the division lead at that time. Those three games did not sell out, and the weather was perfect in Chicago. At two night games, too, on a weekend, a Saturday night 6 o'clock game and a Sunday night ESPN 6 o'clock game. And I, I don't know, they, they still had good crowds. I think it was 35,000 Friday, 39,000 and 35,000 again. But the Cubs, everyone was predicting 40,000 plus, which is, a, you know, really kind of a smaller stadium and all of baseball. I think that should send a message to ownership saying, hey, if you're going to force a rebuild, expect to not draw the way you used to. 
Because the whole notion was that Cubs fans show up win or lose. I think the bar has been raised to the point where it's like, no, we expect to win. We have the highest ticket prices in baseball, $12 beers that we're not Anna and a sports network. You just launched. We're no longer on free television anymore. Like they used to, like, that's how they built such a national audience being on a super station. And so with all that being changed, they better look to buy. The problem is I just don't see who's that arm. Like Max Scherzer just won the DL or the IL, I should say. And, you know, a few other guys, the uh, Boyd from the Tigers and, and Barrios looks like he'd cost a lot because he's not a rental. And we finally have our farm system starting to be on the come up again. So I would be my prediction is they just signed Cole Hamels, who I guess is showcasing for people. They'll probably give him two million dollars and then maybe they'll trade for like a Jonathan Gray type who shouldn't cost much, but he's not really having that great a year, but he does have good stuff. I got to imagine if the Rockies are asking, I mean, they gave away Nolan Arenado for nothing. So I can't imagine John Gray would cost too much. So maybe they could give him like a number 15th ranked prospect in the system, but they definitely need more starting pitching. Yeah. I think Kyle Gibson's like the, the hot name right now, but there you I, go him, him for, as well. You know, it's but Kyle Gibson, you look at his career numbers and I just, I don't know. It's one, it's not sexy. Year. Yeah. It's one great year. And I always get nervous with those guys that you make the big trade. He's supposed to be a frontline guy now. And then they had those expectations. They go to a new place and they don't live up to them. So I, I if I had to predict where Gibson goes, I, I don't know, but I don't think he's going to be the impact arm. Some people think he's going to be, but then again, I'm not watching Rangers baseball. So I don't really know. That's just me going off some numbers. I agree with you though. Yeah. it's I don't know. I, we'll see. Maybe Kyle Gibson is pitching in game seven of a world series. I just don't see it happening. My last question to you. You got Baez, you got Rizzo, you got Bryant. Which one's the most likely to remain a Cub? I'd, it's, it's so tough to say. I don't know if this made national headlines, but Rizzo felt really insulted by the contract extension he was offered in spring training. Uh, if the numbers are true, I can understand that because the one said like four years, 70 million, and another was like five years, 60. So that would have been a pay cut because he's making 16 million this year. So I think they're offering him like 14 million over five years or 14 million over four. So either way, it was a pay cut. And I remember thinking like, I thought you'd go like five years, 18 million per. That felt fair. This is a guy who, besides the pandemic year, was uh, OPS around, you know, almost 900 several seasons, gold glove defense, team leader, you know. So to the, for them to insult him like that, and he felt insulted, that's not a good look. So I would have said most likely, I still say most likely Rizzo. Then second, I go Brian, because Brian has just showed so much value this year. And even though he's a Boris client, I feel like his, he's played six different positions. He started at least 10 games in left, 10 games in center, 10 in right, um, 10 at first base, 10 at third, at least 10, I'm saying. And I think oh, that's five. I think he even played some innings. He didn't start the game, but because of like double switches, played some time at shortstop even. So and all adequate, like, you know, not gold glove at every spot, but definitely adequate. I think Javi's the guy that ends up leaving because we do have some young shortstops that they're pretty high on. This top international signing that they made right before the season started in Christian Hernandez. Ed Howard, our first round pick from last year, is a shortstop, and people have high projections for these guys. One of the 19-year-olds or 18-year-olds we got back from the Darvish trade is a shortstop. So there's some shortstop depth there. Uh, so I think Baez is of that group you just named. He's the least likely I see returning. He might be playing second base for you guys and him and Lindor, who are best friends in the off season are going to, I mean, as a Cubs fan, I don't want to see it because I would hate to see him in another uniform, but I could see, I could see him being the odd man out. Cause I, 
I don't see them signing all three, but I could definitely see them signing two of the three. I got to say, I mean, watching those two guys play for the Puerto Rican national team a couple of years ago, uh, that would be exciting to watch. I don't know if the Mets are going to go all in like that with who knows, that'd probably be $600 million tied up to, in two yeah. players. But <laughs> hey, Steve, fun. Fun I mean, I'm going to enjoy watching it. Uh, do you have anything for me before we go about the Mets? Yeah, is your what's your concern with Degrom over these last two injuries? And also, could you give? I I mean, I believe he's legit. I mean, the guy's six four, hundred and twenty pounds. It looks like he's a skinny guy. So I'm not. I don't think there's any performance enhancing things there. Although I joke by saying any anyone who dominates the Cubs is clearly a cheater. I said anybody though, but I was clearly kidding. If anyone follows me on Twitter, that's listening to this. What is it that made him go from a guy who was throwing 95, 94 when he was 26 to throwing 100 at the age of 32? And are you worried about a couple of the lingering injuries we've just seen over his last two starts? Kind of a loaded question. Yeah, well, as far as the injuries, it's very tough because you want to make sure that he's healthy for the long term. And so everyone's calling for an IL stint. At the same time, the doctors are saying he's fine. DeGrom was throwing today. It's one of those things where you're so cautious when something pops up because it's DeGrom that maybe it gets a little bit blown out of proportion. So a little bit of a tight shoulder. He mentioned something. It's DeGrom. Let's pull him. Where in the past, a pitcher probably doesn't even say anything, pitches through it, and you have no idea about it. So I wonder if that was the case with this injury. He's had three kind of ticky-tack injuries so far this season. None of them connected. So on the surface, I would say, I think he's going to be fine. I think he'll probably, if not make his next start, be back after a 10-day stint on the IL. But it's every time he leaves, it's terrifying for fans. I mean, it's terrifying for the Mets. Your whole season is tied to this guy. For years, I've been saying the biggest sin in baseball is the fact that Jacob deGrom hasn't pitched in a playoff game since 2015. And you can say the same about Mike Trout, honestly, playing in one. But yeah, the injuries are certainly concerning. And you just hope he can start to string together some length over a period of time because he hasn't been going deep into games now for at least a month, if not a little bit farther than that. As far as the velocity, as random and weird as it is to say, what DeGrom credits for his enhanced velocity is not trying to throw hard. He said that he just has trusted his mechanics more. He stopped, It's kind of like when you're golfing. I don't know if you're a golfer. But they tell, you to let, they tell you to let the clubs do the work for you. And, you know, if you try to swing a golf club hard, you're not going to hit the ball as far. But if you just have the correct motion, the club does the work. I think that's what we're seeing with DeGrom. He has perfected his mechanics. I mean, they are beautiful to watch. And he is, like you said, he's 6'2", six, 6'3", six, however tall he is. He creates that natural whipping motion that has led him to 101-mile-per-hour fastball at 32. It's one of those things as a Mets fan, you don't want to think too much about though, because it is a little bit crazy how he has every single year at a velocity. Yeah. I just never, I've, I've seen pitchers start off like Verlander was thrown 98 when he was like 25. It may be even touching a hundred. Then he lost a little bit and then it came back with Houston and everyone's like, ah, it's Houston. It's questionable. And you see usually flamethrowers fix their command. So I, I do believe that his command got so good that the velocity came with the confidence of knowing where he was going to throw it, where maybe as a younger guy, he thought too much about command and, and too much about placing the ball. So he, he lost a few miles per hour. I could see that. I was just curious because it's, 
10 years ago, it would have been the most suspicious thing in the world. But now with the biomechanical engineers who are involved in this stuff and every team is developing, you know, these pitch labs and you got driveline and you got all these different things where they have computer chips on every little movement you do. It is conceivable for a guy to add velocity as he gets older. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still worth talking about though a little bit. I get it as a Mets fan. You're like hey, 26, 94 at 32, 101. So what happened? So, but I, again, <laughs> it would be, what steroids do you take? to make you not gain any weight and keep you super skinny like that. I don't know. So I'm sure it's nothing like that. And I hope it's not because he's great for baseball and I love watching him pitch. The one thing I'll say is if you look back and you were to watch some old video of DeGrom, a lot of times start between start, you would see a little bit of a difference in mechanics. A lot of times he might look a little bit uncomfortable on the mound. Like he was trying to find that right motion. He also in the past, he was a little, I don't know if I would say more animated, but you could tell at times, like if you watch that all-star game in 2015, where he just came out firing through like nine or was 10 fastballs struck out the side, it, you could tell that he was trying to throw hard. And I think the difference the last two years in particular, it doesn't look like he's trying to throw hard anymore. He's throwing harder than he ever has. So if he says it's just based on improved mechanics, I'll take his word for it. So I believe that it's fluid. It's a fluid motion. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll be talking to each other again, maybe at the end of the season, if these two teams square off, that should be a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun this week. I enjoyed myself. I'll be honest. Yeah, you should three out of four. Uh, yeah. The Mets look good. They look good. You know, I hope we do face each other in the playoffs because that would mean the playoffs. And as a fan, I always tell people you got to get to the dance, right? That's, that's what matters. You got to show up. And uh, even if it's, even if we're outmatched, I'm happy if we're playing October baseball, because that just means more baseball. Absolutely. I haven't seen it since 2016 and it was very short lived with a wild card loss. I remember that I was listening on the radio. I, I vividly remember that because the winner was going to face the Cubs between you and the giants. Yeah. And Bumgarner goes uh, complete. Who was it? Connor Gillespie. Yeah. It's the, the pinch hit home run. Oh man. I shouldn't have brought that up for the Mets fans listening. Well, uh, tell people Sorry. where they can find your work. Yeah, you know what? I'm a stand comedian as well. So if you guys want to go to youtube.com slash Joe Kilgallen, I've got like a couple specials on there and a lot of podcast clips from my other podcast that's comedy oriented. And uh, yeah, just a lot of stand comedy on there. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Joe Kilgallen and, you know, at Lockdown Cubs. If you want to argue with me about different things, if I screw up and say Shea Stadium again, uh, you could be all over me for that. Sounds good, man. Thank you. And also tell my listeners where they could find you. Uh, that's right. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan, and you can listen to Locked On Mets wherever you listen to Locked On Cubs. Check out Locked On Today, everybody. Get all your sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to your podcasts.